Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Lynette. And I'm Sean. And welcome to season three. So we've been gone for just a couple weeks and have taken a nice little break from the podcast. And with Lynette not being in school right now and me not conducting one of the local choirs that I do, it's been kind of relaxing to have fun in the summer. Yeah, it's been great. So we've had a nice little break and we're excited to be back. So to start off, we just thought we'd introduce ourselves and our podcast for anyone who's joining us now. It's been a little while since we've done that, so we'd love for you to connect with us a little bit more and understand what we're all about. Yeah, so the Open Adoption Project is about creating a safe place for conversations across the adoption triad for adoptive parents, birth parents, and adoptees. And really, our ultimate goal with our podcast is to improve adoptee experiences, to create these healthy, ongoing, open adoption relationships to benefit adoptees whenever possible. Yeah, so again, our ultimate goal here is to improve the adoptee's experience. Uh, We want to take a little bit of time to introduce ourselves to anyone that hasn't really listened to us at this point. So we live in Utah, in the Salt Lake area, a little south of there. And I am originally from Colorado. And I'm originally from Oregon, and we met in college about 16 years ago, and we fell in love with each other and with the mountains here, so we stayed here. It was interesting. We When we got married, we both said that we wanted to go somewhere else. Yeah, we did not want to stay in Utah, but... The longer we've been here, the more we love it. Yep, it's a good place. Although we do love traveling as a family. Our family's been to 38 of the 50 states so far. We have a goal to get to all 50 soon. But it's been really fun. I think my favorite state so far is Vermont. And when I'm having a crappy day and I'm sick of different things around here, I look at houses in Vermont and daydream of opening a bed and breakfast. Yep, and a maple farm. Yep. Keep dreaming. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I work in nonprofit administration, and I really enjoy marathon running. Uh, I'm a pretty avid runner and run a marathon every three or four months. Lately, we've bought e-bikes for the family, and we can fit all six of us on two bikes. It's pretty awesome. So we have Sean's bike and my bike, and between the two, we can cruise the whole town. <laughs> when I when I well, when I ordered the bike that I drive, um, I got the replace the minivan kit, and on my bike we could fit myself and the three boys. Yes, we love our bikes. So rad runner bikes. If you're listening to us. If you ever want to sponsor us, we're really big fans. <laughs> uh, I mean, I alluded to this a little bit ago, but I conduct community choir and love music. Yeah. Tell us about you. All right. So I work as a stay-at-home parent, and I'm also in grad school. I'm getting a master's in public administration, and I love reading. I love writing, and my big dream is I want to publish a young adult novel someday. Um, I have many attempts, but they're all quite subpar. So someday we'll get there. I've read some of them and they're pretty good. Oh, thank you. Um, I love cooking. We eat tacos pretty much every other day lately. (laughs) I'm in a big taco kick. But there are different kinds of tacos. It's true. We have fish tacos, like Korean beef, all kinds of delicious tacos. I love, (laughs) love tacos. The summer of tacos. Yes, it is. Um, We are the parents of four kids and all of our kids were adopted and they all have open adoptions. And so what open adoption is, is when you have a relationship with your kid's biological family, right? When an adoptee sees 
their biological family and has this ongoing relationship with them. And there's many different kinds of openness. That's one of the reasons we started our podcast. We wanted to help people see what open adoption could be because we've been really lucky. We have these amazing relationships with our kids, birth families. And honestly, we consider them our family as well. We've just had this huge exponential growth in our family as each of our kids have joined our family where we see all of their birth moms we have contact with all of their birth dads we see their half siblings their grandparents uncles aunts it's just grown into this huge family and one of my favorite things is that so many of their grandparents have really adopted all of our kids as grandkids too just helping us create this really big amazing village of people who love and care about our kids. And I think that's really what open adoption should be about. Yeah, and pretty uniquely, I think, all four of our children were born in the, in Utah, in the state mm-hmm. that we live. And so we're pretty close to most of their birth family. Uh, we do have one of our birth parents that moved um, to the East Coast um, and a set of grandparents that live out there. And we're actually going to be taking a trip here in a couple weeks to visit them both. Yes, which is great. And also one reason we can't ever move to Vermont. We can't leave Utah. We have so much family here. So much We love them. Yes. But um, as I said, we do love traveling. Um, My favorite state is Vermont. Sean, what's yours? I think so far, I mean, it just depends on why. Like, I love the beach. And so North Carolina, like the Outer Banks, I love the beach there. Um, Yeah. I don't know. There's There's just good food in different places. Good culture in different Mm -hmm. places and just love being all over the place it's true but we really do love utah and we love our home states of oregon and colorado i think those are pretty high up there yeah yeah all right so this season we're going to be changing our podcast format just a little bit we're going to be shifting to dropping an episode every other monday so at this point our podcast is a hobby and we want to make sure that we can continue sharing content and encouraging these dialogues. We really love doing that. So we've adjusted our schedule so that we can keep things more sustainable. A little more balance. Yes. And so we'll be sharing interviews, panels, discussions, focusing on some frequently asked questions or requested topics. And so we'll have something coming out every other Monday. And just on those lines, if you have any topics that you'd love to hear us talk about, uh, please contact us. You can get to us at openadoptionproject.gmail.com. You can go to openadoptionproject.org. There's a contact form there. Or you can find us on Instagram at openadoptionproject. Yep, we love hearing from you guys. We love hearing what would help you and yeah, just how the podcast can be useful for you. I really have loved hearing from people all across the Adoption Triad who listen to our podcast. I hope that it's helpful and a good tool for everybody. It's really meaningful to try to help. Yeah. Well, let's jump into this week's episode. Today, we have a conversation with Rachel, and Rachel is both an adoptee and a birth mother of twins. Yeah, I loved talking to Rachel. She's a really sweet, good person, and she shared her story with us and talked about her life growing up as an adoptee and her relationship with her birth family and how that all played into her decision to place her twins for adoption and the relationship that she has with them now. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into that. We know that you're going to enjoy hearing from Rachel. We just really appreciate all of our guests who are willing to share their stories and their hearts with us on the podcast. 
are now on the podcast with Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you. Can we have you just start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Rachel and I'm from Georgia. I think people don't realize how hot Georgia can be right now, but it is really hot. Real feel 104. So, I mean, it's hot down here, but I'm enjoying it. That is hot. <laughs> and has Georgia always been home for you or for a no, long time? No, I was, I was born in Kentucky and moved around a little bit as we grew up. My dad worked for IBM. So we didn't even think Georgia would be the resting spot. We just thought it was going to be a quick stop for a couple of years and go on, but it ended up being home to us. I was like seven. So it ended up being the home nice. that I considered like home, I guess. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about like what you like to do in your spare time. Yeah. Like those hobbies or anything well, like that. Well, what's funny is I actually started garden this year with jalapenos, cherry tomatoes, cucumber, and zucchini and it's the gardening's coming along well and then um I'm just starting to like do things in life that are a little bit different than how they were just a few years ago okay. um I'm learning who I am again nice and trying to find my identity yeah wonderful that's great and I love that you're gardening I think that's such a great thing therapeutic and delicious <laughs> it is and one other thing i do scrapbook i love to scrapbook oh, cool yeah our thing right now is raising chickens so <laughs> do you eat their eggs we yes. do yeah it's pretty fun and the kids like it they it's a good thing to teach them like responsibility and taking care and helping so it's yeah. been really fun yeah we've had some chicks lately they're so cute little baby chicks <laughs> so fun yes Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being with us. We're really excited to get to hear from you and your perspective. Yeah. So, thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're so grateful. So you are an adoptee and a birth mom. And so you have these yes. two perspectives. We love hearing these double perspectives. So can yes. you share your story as an adoptee first? Okay. I don't. Okay. So sorry if I get emotional and cry, you know. Don't apologize. Um, it's like it was kind of almost the uh a, like like kind of like a god situation um my parents couldn't have kids and so they told you know their next door neighbors who they were close friends with that they're going to look into adoption and they were like oh well you know our niece is looking to adopt and then they were like but <sighs> like my mom said <clears throat> that she told them that they found a woman they were talking to, but their niece ended up being the woman my parents were talking to. And so like, I grew up next to my aunt and uncle for five years, not knowing they were really my aunt and uncle, but I used to call them that. And so it, if, if my birth mother went to their house, my mom would keep me inside, but I still had a relationship not knowing it was a biological relationship. Interesting. Wow. I was just going to say how interesting that you were even calling them aunt and uncle without knowing. And then my grandma, I forget the, my great grandma, I called her what all the other grandkids did, but it, it came out natural. Like I didn't know. And, um, you know, when she was in her, you know, the last of her days, um, my uncle decided to tell her that I was 
on my birth mother's trees um, that that I live next door and that they were like, well, you know who comes in and sees you and stuff. And she squeezed his hand because she couldn't talk. And he told her, well, that's that's your great granddaughter. And he said a tear went down her cheek and she was smiling because she couldn't talk. And so that that's always fun to hear. It's really, really sweet. Um, I love hearing stories. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, I think they help form bonds and connections in really meaningful ways. Yeah, because my my uncle said he had a dream. He would see me grow up. And my birth mother had another set of people she was looking at. And she said she had a bad dream about them. And that's why she ended up choosing my parents. So, like, it was a lot of God and having dreams um, with this whole interesting um, part. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about... Um, when you, did you always know you were adopted? What was the conversation around adoption? No, I always knew, even like when I was, you know, couldn't understand. My parents always told me that like, there's never a time where I'm like, did I not know? And I felt very guilty asking my mom and dad questions and they were not hurt. You know, um, they were very open as, oh, because it was a semi-open adoption. And so they sent Therese, um, like, every year a packet of photos and an update and she saw me when I was six months I wonder what the conversation was around adoption like were your parents positive about adoption when they talked about it like how did how was that conversation in your home okay so they were so supportive like you know the um I don't know if you've ever heard of the mulberry bird um adoption story I don't think so oh my gosh if not you have to look into that um And then they got me a couple other like child understanding about adoption, like this one about this girl who had red curly hair, but the rest of her family didn't, you know, it was cartoonish. And so they had those, you know, and they, they, on my adoption day, when the papers were signed, they celebrated it as like an extra birthday for me. And like, you know, it just, it was never like, so they never spoke bad they're these I love my parents like I considered them my real parents um you know like because you know they just did everything and they even growing up were like you know I know this is a side random note but they're like be careful addiction and alcoholism run in your family and I was and in my mind I was like nothing's gonna happen because I have a great family and then later on in life stuff happened so they were always keeping me aware of stuff in the family and like also respecting the boundaries that Therese and um actually my her mom said okay so you said that you got that Therese got to see you when you were six months old and did you see each other again during your childhood no no she didn't she wasn't ready um and that hurt I wrote her lots of letters and I never heard from her and they they were gonna wait till I was 18 and she was gonna wait till I was 18 and then see where I was at and then possibly meet but the childhood nothing I got three pictures of her one of a baby her as a baby one as like a teenager and one of her as she had a son when she was 15 before me and he's three years older and a picture of her and him and um those are all I had and you know my aunt and uncle weren't allowed to tell me until I was 18 um so it's really 18 when more knowledge came about you know yeah 
So since then, um, what attempts have you had to have a relationship or contact with her? I wanted more, but she doesn't. And only my my aunt and uncle really do. My I met my brother and my grandma and my uncle who passed away, but she doesn't really. I try and I've just stopped at this point because it hurts. Um, just, you know, I did have a feeling of abandonment and it just reinforced it um, because, you know, my brother was older than me. So like, and she kept him and like when you get older, the situation's more understandable, but then my parents adopted me and then they biologically have my sister. So growing up, I had this concept where I just wasn't good enough. And it kind of like having that rejection is hurtful. Um, and I just don't know anything about my dad. He didn't, he, I don't, I don't know how to find out, you know, anything about him and she doesn't give much. So it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's sad. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done any like uh, genealogy testing like 23andMe or Ancestry.com? I did. I got that for Christmas a couple years ago. But yes, I did that because, you know, I question, you know, I don't know my family. I don't know, you know, like, and I, you know, I still feel guilty questioning or asking my mom and dad stuff, but they have never once shown, you know, they don't see it as betrayal. So, but in my mind, it's kind of like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's so hard. So you've talked a little bit about this guilt and these feelings that creep in, even though it's not maybe something perpetuated by your adoptive parents, it's still something you're feeling. Right. And guilt is something that a lot of adoptees feel when they want to have connection with their biological family, right? Do you have any advice for adoptees who are trying to forge these relationships who are struggling with that guilt? I mean, the best I could get is like, you know, it can be a disappointment when those relationships don't form the way you want them to, or you you can't even find like say a parent or both parents. Um, just having the family that adopted me love me as much as they could and be there to support me and knowing I can rely on them, but them being so good is what gave me the guilt. So, you know, I have a couple close friends and my roommate and I talk to her a lot about it. And I, um, you know, I will go to my parents, you know, and be open with them. And, you know, I just actually saw my aunt and uncle recently because they're not doing very well health-wise and um I just visited them not too long ago and my birth mother said she'd come and she didn't and that that hurt that's why it's like sometimes some of the questions like make me cry so but yeah I mean it's just something that like you have to find something to put your energy into other than wanting to just find out because it's there's a difference between like family and just people who have the same bloodline as you. Sometimes it's both and sometimes it's not. I mean, it doesn't all need to be blood related to have a good close-knit family. So one thing that you said, and I'm thinking about like support for you as an adoptee, sometimes you have questions or maybe you wanna talk through some things and your parents are like open and willing to talk about Mm -hmm. that, but sometimes there's some extra guilt from your part because of the questions you have 
but you mentioned that having friends or your roommate or other people that you can connect with to have those discussions, that that's a good support system for yeah, you. Definitely. And also, I'm, I know this is going to sound weird, but I've joined a lot of Facebook groups that have to do with adoption that also have to do with like all the all the different parts of adoption, like the triad of adoption with, with the birth parent, the child and adoptive parents. And like, you know, like um, joining these Facebook groups, I've been able to find different sources where I can relate with someone. And that's really all I want is to relate with someone or have someone go, I've been there too, you know? And if they have more knowledge yeah. of it, this is how I went through it. And I want to be an example too, as well eventually. I think that's such a, yeah, such a key thing that we all need, right? That connection, mm -hmm. knowing that we're not alone. I love that thought on the Facebook groups. Also a fun little shout out. That's how we were connected yes. through an adoption Facebook group. So yeah. we'll throw out a little plug. We'll find connections that way. It's, yeah, it's yeah. important. Yeah. Facebook or Instagram, there's, there are so many online venues now where we can connect really with people great. in very similar yeah. situations as us anywhere in the world right and right 20 years ago 15 years ago we didn't have nearly the capability that we have now right so we take advantage of that right yes yes so in addition to being an adoptee you're also a birth parent i am i am yeah could you tell us a little bit about that experience that's obviously a little bit more recent um so yeah. share with us as much as you're whatever you want to okay share. well i am post-placement like a year, um, February last year was when I placed and they were okay. born January 12th. I had twins. Um, and I thought about adoption halfway through because I knew I was adopted and their father denied and their father bailed. And then he was continuing to use drugs and in jail. And so I decided to get sober because I found out I was pregnant while I was using. And, um, so I went to this place that helped women who are pregnant and to stay sober and get sober and have tools. And, um, then I decided to keep them. And so I went through a lot of like, should I, shouldn't I, while I was pregnant and I didn't get much support in the area of wanting to keep them, which was very hard. Um, my mom said something that was, I was really tough to hear because I was like, you have no faith in me. And she said, no. And like, I took that personal, but again, my situation was I was an addict who just got sober, you know, who has no, like, who isn't, who wasn't a toxic girl, you know? So then, then January came about and they were born two months early and I was laughing the whole time I was at having contractions. Like I was like, ha, ah, ah. I don't know what's going on. I don't think I'm supposed to feel this. And then I went and, you know, I had to have a C-section because the little girl was not face down and she was baby A and she was stubborn like me. And so I, so I saw them for two seconds and then they were put in the NICU and I couldn't see them for hours. Um, and then when I saw them, I, it was just love at first sight, you know, um, and I wanted to keep them and I still was going to, and then they were in the NICU for about a month. He had, he had to stay cause he had some other issues that weren't serious, but he had to take like antibiotics for like five days. And I took her home for about four days 
And I realized how hard it was. And like a pet, what really set it off was a pack of the diapers they sent me home with. Like the sticky parts didn't work. And I'm on SSI as well. So like, I was like, I can't financially can't like do for these babies what I want, what was done for me. You know, I want them to have a life that I can't provide. So it was very hard. I prayed to God. I said, can you send me signs? And just the whole weekend were signs and um, I chose adoption through Lifeline Child Services that is in, a, is, that is in, based in Alabama. And I called my caseworker who I've been talking on and off to. And I said, I can't do it. I, can I choose adoption still? And she said, yes. And that Wednesday, she gave me some parents to look through and it's like their faces on the front. And then it's like stuff about them, like a whole book. And I found, I saw a picture of this couple and I just knew it was like this feeling and I was just new. And then I looked into their book and they seemed a lot like my parents. So we met, sorry, I'm shaking now. Sorry. I'm just, um, so, You're okay. so then on Thursday, we were going to, um, zoom. Sorry. I always think FaceTime we were going to zoom. And when they did, I told my caseworker, don't tell them I chose them. I want to record it so I can remember it. So when I do have a tough day or I need reminding that this was a good decision, this is, this is going to be the moment. So I asked them, is it okay to record? And then I was like, I'm choosing you. There's just so many reasons why I'm choosing you guys. And they cried and I cried <laughs> and they were like, well, when do we get to see the twins? And I'm like, that's the thing. We're going to meet Saturday and you're going to take them home. And they were like, twins, like, what are we going to do? Like Friday, like it is. so <laughs> bad for them. <laughs> Cause like they had only Friday really to get ready. And, um, so Saturday came and they, she gave me the, the adoptive mother gave me yellow flowers and said, well, let me take that back. Let me rewind a little bit. I held them both in my arms as they walked in. And I had that recorded as well. And like, you could just hear her excite, the mother's excitement. She just like had like a little yelp, like like a scream, not even a scream, but some like, you know, so excited, you're like, ah. And um, I said, meet your babies. Cause um, you know, they were gonna keep his first name and her middle name. If I, they, so that was really cool. And I say, here's your babies. And then I told my babies, here's your new parents. And um, it was hard after that. Um, I felt like a horrible mother. I felt like a terrible person. I felt guilt in that area. Um, but I knew I did the best I could. And that I love them. And because I love them, I'm... I'm willing to hurt to give them a better life, if that makes sense, you know, because I don't have what it takes or what it took and still don't have what it takes to be a successful mother and bring up children that are going to be like taught the lessons I've been taught or like have the values. So it was just like, it was really hard to say goodbye. And then it's like, since I met, I saw them at six months. And then I get to see them in, a, in next on June 30th. So I get my yearly visits and I, I have my moments where it's tougher than others. 
Um, but they send me every month, they send me pictures or videos and updates when really they only have to do it every four months. And, um, you know, their mother gave me yellow flowers and said, these are, they're yellow because I just want our friendship to continue to grow. And she wrote me a sweet letter that made me tear up. And for birth mother's day, she sent me, she's like, I cannot fathom what your heart has been through, but you know, you have lightened up my life, our lives. And just to see, like, they have so they're all my kids and I, the twins are always smiling, like always smiling. And like, when I get videos and I see like just everything, it's just a comfort. And to see how big the family grows, like my parents are very involved too with this. And like, they send them books the way my aunt and uncle did to me and my sister growing up. So like, cool. yeah. So I just have fears though for them because they are biracial but the couple is white so I have fears just my the normal fears the mother would have and sometimes I question if it's okay for me to have these fears because um you know I'm I'm not I'm not actively their mother so and then like when people ask if I have kids and I say yes and like I chose adoption I feel like I have to explain my story which I know shouldn't but the judgment, there's, there is a lot of judgment that comes from the outside of people who don't understand. And I'm, I'm curious and I'll ask you guys, like, was it hard to have a relationship with the birth mother? Like, was it easy? Like, you know, cause I'm, it's, it's scary to figure out how to build it. Cause you don't want to go as a birth mother. I don't want to do anything that's like pressuring, you know, that's my yeah. another big fear yeah. I put too much pressure and they go, Whoa, hold on. Yeah, I mean, for us, I feel like our daughter, our oldest is our girl, and then we have three boys. And our daughter's birth mom is amazing. She is, you remind me a lot of her. She's very loving and just so wonderful. And I look back and I feel like we probably weren't as secure back then with our role as like parents. And so I wish we had done a couple of things differently. But luckily, she's been super graceful with us learning and figuring things out and I mean yes it's been amazing to grow that relationship okay. but it has taken time and we've been really really lucky to have her grace yeah and, and in addition yeah. to that I would just say I think we learned uh, through time that the more open communication and honest communication obviously courteous and kind communication but the more open we were about our feelings and about situations on both sides the better our relationship got. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is hard, right? It's a different kind of relationship mm -hmm. than any other relationship, but it's so special. Yeah. And, and yeah. our conversations with her, she's like, yeah, in the beginning, I just wanted to give space because I wanted your relationship with her to bond, like that bond to happen. And we were like, we just wanted to give you everything you needed, but we didn't know what, what you needed. Yeah. And so luckily we've gotten, we've all gotten better communicating <laughs> over time. But that sounds so sounds good. Cause I don't want to yeah. be too much. And then, yeah. I'm sure you're not. Yeah. And like I said, like I have a father's day card. I got him, you know, I find like, I do that last year. I found her a mother's day and him a father's day card that, that didn't really, you know, say, oh, you're my dad or like, it's just a generic one. I found that I, cause I want them to know how grateful I am that they keep me a part of their lives because 
some of the things I have seen are kind of scary to see that like people are promised this, this, and this, but it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about this a lot on the podcast before, but expectant or um, hopefully adoptive couples or those that are hoping to adopt, if you make any promise at all, like you better you keep, keep it. it. Like, yes. don't commit to anything that you're not willing to really commit to. Yeah. And I think that your feelings right now highlight that. So important. And I think that's really where we struggled with our first adoption. We were so sure that we didn't want to break any promises, right? And so we were like, well, we don't want to overpromise. So I think we were just a little too careful. Like, yeah. oh, well, we're not sure how many visits to do because we don't want to overdo it. Right. But, but then over it just time, became really natural. It's become very natural. And yeah. Hang out. And yeah. Family. Yes. Yeah, because they are an awesome couple. They're more reserved than my parents. Like, they're a little bit more quiet. But like, you know, there's times where I try not to talk about the kids or anything at all. Like, I just want to talk about them or what's going on in my life. Like, I'm about to have two years sober, August 12th. And, you know, I'll probably tell them. Congratulations. Really exciting. Thank you. I got the the twins saved my life. They got me healthy. Like, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. That's been a year. Like, you know, I work out, you know, like these babies, even though I am not currently taking care of them have been what has drastically changed my life even though it does hurt a little bit they they are my saviors you know they they saved me from a rough path like path I could have been going down yeah Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that with us that's really vulnerable but really really sweet thank you so I'd love to hear more about your thought process as you ended up deciding on adoption. I know it sounds like it was kind of a whirlwind, right? Yeah. A whirlwind. It was because the where I was at is called Hope House in Augusta. And I'm open, so I don't mind. And um it's and all these girls were like, keep the baby, keep the babies. And once like a couple of them were like, well keep one and like give the other one away. I'm like, the verbiage that some of these women had can really mess with your mind. So I was just like I let that influence me. And then I was angry at my mom for saying what she did. So like I acted selfishly at first, but it was like, it was like, I let these women get in my head. And they were even trying to tell me exactly what to name them, like rhyme their names, like Daniel and Danielle. I'm like, luckily that didn't happen. But I mean, like, it was almost like I didn't have my own thoughts because I was just, in a vulnerable state, like, you know, with physically, like mentally and emotionally, um, just getting sober. So like, you know, I, it just was very confusing and I just, it kept going back and forth, back and forth. Um, now I did choose, I had two families I FaceTimed or zoomed with, with my caseworker before I had the babies. And when I had them, I actually said, Hey, are any of those families still available? And she said, no. And so I was really scared I was going to find, not find anyone or find the reason. And like, when I found them, I was like, mom, I found them. I haven't even looked into it. They're like, she's like, I think you need to look at the rest. I said, if I do, I'm going to make sure I keep these babies. And that is not what they need. And, you know, like, it's just, I knew as being an adoptee that that's the best thing to do when you can't provide 
like, you know, SSI doesn't provide much money, you know, like there's would be food stamps and WIC and all this stuff, but I would not want my babies to have to live like from like, you know, check to check like me, you know, I want them to be able to have their dreams. And that's what really helped me in the end was remembering I was adopted and like what happened and how I was able to do what I want, play sports, you know, like go on vacations, you know, and I would never have been like be able to provide that. So that was the biggest thing is like, like kind of trying to reassure myself, if that makes sense. Like I'm doing the right thing and I'm not doing, I, cause I thought, I thought I was a lazy person and that's why I couldn't be a mom because I was lazy and I've had to get over that and realize it's not laziness. I have other issues that played into this. So ultimately you said you brought your daughter home for a couple of days and then in that process or, uh, uh, you know, actually parenting at home, that's kind of when it switched for you. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? I loved her and I loved holding her and I loved giving her kisses and I loved everything, but you know, I naturally have a hard time sleeping and there were a couple times I fell asleep with her in my arms, um, which is kind of, I feel shame about, but you know, some of the staff, you know, were worried about like when I did do that. And so like, I loved her so much and it's just, it was so hard because I was like, I was getting frustrated and I think I was struggling with postpartum and anger of not like, like she's asleep all day, but then up all night and like I'm backwards and I didn't, you know, everyone's like, well, you need a nap when she sleeps. Like, even if it's like mixing up your schedule and I think having postpartum also like when I felt angry at her, I felt so scared. And that's another thing that changed my view is like, oh my gosh, like, how can you ever get mad at a baby? I know it was postpartum, but still it was like, this is a baby, you know, like I, I, this baby and deserves the best and ha- knowing that I was going to have to have a the little boy come home. I was just like, I just, I just can't do it. And it was, it was very hard. I, 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 I cried so hard and had a panic attack that I don't think she could understand me, the adoption counselor, but she came that night actually and took baby girl to a family that watches the children until the mother, biological mother finds parents she wants, or if the mom doesn't even, the biological mom doesn't choose, you know, I don't know what it's called, but you know, they stayed together and they sent pictures and, but yes, it, I loved it and I loved the thought and you know I've always been wanting to be a mom and I just realized with her there I was like it's almost I was like delusional thinking that it would be like it would be like a good situation until I did take her home like you said like it just wasn't it just wasn't rainbow sunshine and everything like I thought it was gonna be. Well, and I think that's pretty human nature, right? Where we we want to see the best in ourselves and we want to think that we can accomplish everything. Um, and Well, and we imagine that, like, we have an idealized vision. Yeah. And You don't imagine babies crying all the time when you think of having a new baby, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but 
a lot of respect from us when when we hear this story because you you recognized what limits you had um, at that time at least and um, made decisions that you felt were 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 right um, and I I kind of wanted to go back to what you were talking about kind of all the chatter or the the other voices mm-hmm. um, did you feel like when you actually made the decision that that was more like, this is me making my decision and I feel good about this. Or did you still feel like there were people that were influencing? Um, at that point, no, I did not allow anyone to influence me. Now their judgments hurt. Um, they were like, you could have done it. We would have helped, but it's like, come on now. Like I've been through this before. There's so many promises and then no one stays friends. Like, I'm not gonna like do this. And and the day I chose adoption, my parents were also allowed to come while I signed the paperwork and a girl walked by and snapped a photo of my parents holding my baby. And cause the door was open briefly. And so like these girls are very petty, gossipy and like you want to fit in. So like, you know, you, you kind of want to do what they say. I'm more of a follower than a leader. And so I was allowing that. And then finally, when I did choose the adoption, besides for, you know, feeling the hurt, I did not let the chatter continue anymore because I was like, these women aren't going to be with me in three to five years. They're not going to be with me for 18 years. So I did shut it off eventually, but they were very influential for the majority of the pregnancy. Yeah, that's so hard. So you've talked about how this caseworker came when you called her. Um, how do you, what kind of support did you receive from her, from that agency that you worked with? Did you receive counseling after? Um, they have get, she has sent me a lot of like paperwork and stuff and like, um, you know, she's always there for me. And like, I just talked to her earlier today. Like, she's just like, call me whenever. So I called her when I was pregnant. I called her when I said I didn't want to choose adoption, but I let her know how that, like, we've always had an open relationship. And last year, was it, it was, it was, I forget what month it was, but they every year have a birth mother's retreat. And um, I went and I met other birth mothers and they, this year, that last year, they, with another adoption agency, which I'm not sure what it was. It was another Christian one. And I met women who I still talk to. And, um, you know, everyone was scared to tell their story. And for my year sober, my roommate, my, I call her my froomey because she's my friend and roommate. And she gave me a coin for a year sober. And I brought that with me. And, you know, I was like fidgeting with it when I told my story. And I was like, I just said, I was like, if anyone else needs to use this as a fidget kind of thing to tell their story, it really helps. And they all did. They, and it was just, it felt really cool to like, kind of be an example in a positive way. And just, you know, like, but back to, sorry, back to, um, my counselor, she just got married. So I didn't get to talk to her for a couple of weeks. And then I get a, like, whenever I want to send presents, me and her will meet up and have lunch and catch up. We've done that two or three times for like this past Easter for Christmas. Cause their last Easter, not this one, but the year before it didn't get delivered what I wanted to send. So I asked her if she'll meet up. She drives from Atlanta and we meet in like 
um around greenville like or not greensboro georgia so we meet halfway and she like will take the packages and like she's also sent me like you know from etsy how you can get engraved necklaces and stuff like she got me a present for that she wrote me something for birth like birth mother's day so she's really sweet and she's very proactive even though the adoption has been finalized and it's been over a year she's very good at what she does and you still feel that support I do I do and you know it's you know I'm excited to see you know the retreat for this year and you know like see if any of these other women are gonna come um so like it's just having that support through the agency has helped as well because she has given me like and she gave me a book that's kind of like a journal but like journaling through the emotions you go through as a birth mother like prompts prompts yeah so like they have been very good and they've helped me find counselors and they've helped me find grief groups outside you know so like they have they do have a good like after placement relationships that's 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 great yeah that's good to hear Mm -hmm. yes so you're a little over a year post-placement Um, looking back, uh, what do you wish you would have known about adoption as from the birth mother perspective that you didn't know, um, that maybe would have made the process a little easier for you? Kind of like the relationship between the adoptive parents or their parents and me would be okay. Having that reassurance and not, because when you see those, like, that's what would have really helped me. Cause like every month I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to email me? But like, you know, I'm getting, I've gotten through that. That's what I meant to say. But like, it's the relationship, knowing that the relationship is what it is today. Like if I knew I was going to be getting stuff every month, it would have made it less hard to choose adoption because I love them so much. And I don't want to be like my birth mom. I don't want them to wonder any questions. I want to, I want to be there to tell them. I love that. I love how much it's just so apparent that you care for them so much and love them so much. And you were talking earlier about how you feel like maybe guilt or like you shouldn't be feeling these motherly instincts. Right. But I think that's so natural. And of course you do. They'll always be part of you and you just love them so much. But I love how you've taken your experiences and tried to give your kids the best thing you can. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. So how do you feel your experience as an adoptee has shaped what you've done as a birth mom, the choices you've made and how you've tried to build this relationship? It has helped me not to not do what my birth mother did. I want to do everything opposite she did. There's moments that we've had talked briefly periods, but Like, I never want my kids to be like, did I really, like, who do I come from? Like, where do I get these personality traits from? Like, you know, like, simple things, you know, even like, does she, did she have a favorite color song? Like, you know, like, just, I want to be there for them and not ever have them question if I loved them. Because that's what happened to me growing up, so. Yeah, I can tell right now that they're always going to know that. It's yeah. so apparent, so apparent. 
And um, their, their parents always say, you know, like I said, what do you want? Like, what can I get them for their birthday? They're like, well, can you give us a picture of you so we can put it in their room and always be able to see you and tell them about you? So like, it feels good. They, they say they speak of me now too. And that feels good. Sorry. No, that's, that's so no important. need to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe a similar question. Um, thinking of your parents as adoptive parents or how does that influence your role as a birth mom now? Um, the first one I had to realize was we're not co-parenting. It's not a co-parenting situation. I wanted people like my parents, like who have some sort of faith, like Christianity, like who have the same morals and values and to see my parents and how they raised me and my sister is something I really was looking for, for the twins. And I always joke, like I have this little joke because they're Auburn fans and my dad went to Auburn. I'm an Auburn fan. And I'm, I was like, they have a, they have this, their book has a picture of them with Auburn choice. I said, that's the real reason. And I joke around because I think that's <laughs> funny. And like, you know, like everything matched up when I looked at their book and how my parents raised me and my sister. Like there's pictures of her, their mother and her mother cooking um, cookies for Christmas or like fishing, you know, like stuff and like just having a big family themselves, you know, was just, it was like, I was seeing my life over again. I love that. Also a side note, um, we did an interview with another birth mother from Georgia and she's from North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she made a very similar comment about a she, football team and there, why she didn't family, choose a family. Yeah, there was a family that she was so close to choosing. She really loved them, but they were rooting for the team she did not love. And she was like, no way. I hate that team. <laughs> anyway. So, football run, runs thick in the blood in the South. <laughs> no. And you know, and something else that someone told me stuck out that made me really, really want this couple is the type of dogs they have they had two dogs and they're really hard to train and they're really hard to like they're I forgot what they were and I wish I had a picture but I don't um their book is at my parents house so I don't like sometimes get sad and make the situation worse you know um but the type of dogs they had are very hard like they require patience so when I heard that I was like okay and these are twins, so they're going to need patience. It's a baby, yeah. period. I mean, like, yeah. you're going to need patience. Yeah. So I know that seems kind of weird because I don't want to compare babies to dogs, but I know no. but I know that if they have two dogs that are really hard to train and have patience for, like, I was like, you know, having twins might be a breeze for them. Like, I saw the outlet of their house, you know, and they told me, like, about their yard. Sorry, I'm going off track. I just, I, th- everything That's about good. them is just perfection to me and you know they have been there and what I've I had like you said the openness I like I had to tell them a couple times you know I'm struggling missing the kids and and you know they acknowledge it and they're there for me for it that's so good yeah and I think um yeah no apologies about like just talking about your connection with them and I think you mentioned in the beginning as you were sharing that you saw their picture and you just felt it like you just knew and 
I've heard that phrase so many times now in, in really? the and conversations yes. that I just knew. Um, and beautiful. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we've had the, that experience in our own family being, being chosen, chosen by, uh, a birth mother. And when you know, you know, and it's great that there are those things that draw you together, whether it's a football team or the way that, you know, the same type of pets you like. You're like, there's just so many different things mm-hmm. that can draw people to connect with each other. But um, in many of the instances that people have shared, it sounds like there's some no no coincidence and often referred to divine intervention or connection. Right, right. And, you know, I really do like my sister's friends have adopted through that agency internationally and and in the States. And um, this agency, as I said, Lifeline Child Services, I really want to commend them because they almost have like not a, I don't want to say training. They have like a weekend where they teach them how to respect the birth mother, how to love a birth mother, like how to handle if you do have children that are of a different race than you, you know, all about adoption. Like they have to go through the, not only just the, the, the stuff, I don't know what all the, you guys have to go through like housing and checking and stuff. And, but they, you know, they did a little extra that gave, and then, you know, it was a Christian company and, you know, I'm not like a hardcore Christian. I'm very non-denominational when it comes to like that stuff, but I, I still believe in God. And I think like, yeah, I saw that picture and I was, and everyone, and then I, when I told my mom, she's like, you need to look at the rest. I said, nope. If I look at the rest, I said, these people are just like you. And even she's older than him. Like my mom is my dad. And like, I'm just like, I know that's so minute and not like probably significant, but to me, for some reason that is, cause it's like, these people are just so much like my parents and, and I know they're going to have the best life. Yeah. Well, that says a lot about your parents too. That's really a good tribute to them. Well, you've shared a lot with us and we're so grateful for that. Um, is there anything else like knowing that we have people from all over the adoption triad? I, I, I kind of want to, st- one of the people that we interviewed a while ago called it the adoption constellation because it's not always as pretty as one, two, three sided. Um, but like what, what advice or what maybe parting words would you share with this community about your experience or what you've learned? Adoption is hard and, and, and it, it's tough on all sides, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a learning process. Um, and like you, like you guys said, and like, just went, like we talked about, if you, if you tell a birth mother, you're going to do something, if it's appropriate, follow through with it, you know? Um, and for birth mothers, you know, I just encourage them. Like it's, it is hard. It is hard to see your baby, but your baby does wonder. You know, like that's, that is, uh, that's why I choose to stay very active with them as well. Cause I never want my baby to question. I mean, it is hard because sometimes the way, I don't know, it's like toxic relationships, you know, happen. And then, you know, like mine and their fathers and, you know, I feel bad if they ever have to, you know, question about him. I, I, now I know down the road, like, I'll eventually have a conversation with 
the parents if they have questions and how to handle that. But yeah. And um, I want to tell you this one, this one last thing, because I know I talk a lot, but there's, this, oh, you're good. <laughs> there's this nonprofit organization called Funding Love. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, it's on Facebook and it's, and it's also on the internet and it says adoption is messy. Adoption is hard. Adoption is love. And they actually take adoptive parents and the kids and they send them to a week long Disney trip, all expenses paid. And last year they started doing with birth mothers and I got picked this year to go with 12 other birth mothers to Disney in September and like start some new relationships. Now I know one of them was at the birth mother luncheon that my agency had. So like, I know two of them, cause one of them was also from the retreat. So you really don't realize how small the, the, the um, adoption world is really, but it's also big at the same time. But yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to say that because they make the relationships better. They try and do something fun because, you know, adoption does get hard. I love that you have that support group that you have things like that to look forward to, to connect, to foster new relationships. Um, And like you said in the very beginning, like adoption brings people together so quickly and you, you have maybe similar experiences and know, you just know something about them that that the rest of the world outside the adoption community doesn't. Yeah. And you just click. I love that. It's awesome. Rachel, we have loved talking to you. Okay. You think it's been so amazing. Track. Sometimes like when I get nervous. No. Like... no, um, in a in an effort to maybe foster connection, is there a specific place maybe on social media that if somebody hears this and they want to connect with you, is there a way that they can do that? Like do you have an Instagram or Facebook or something? Yes, I have both. I have Facebook and I'm okay saying my first and last name. If you guys are okay, my name's Rachel Kramer, like just R-A-C-H-E-L-K-R-A-M-E-R. And I have a, okay. my roommate makes fun of my picture. I have like black hair, but I'm sitting in an old lady pose, like with my hands on my legs, you know, and oh, I forget what my picture is, but it's sweet and salty 2288 for my Instagram. Um, and also like if people reach out to you to want to talk, um, I can give you my cell phone number and email as well. And like, I give you all thumbs up for just giving, giving away my identity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll protect as much as we can, but we'll, uh, we'll in our show notes for this episode, we'll put your link to your Instagram and uh and if people want to connect with you they can follow you or message you there and and i want to let everyone know i'm an open book i mean i just love to be open and i and i and i crave you know connection with people so i want to be that for other people as well thank you so much again for being with us and for sharing your thoughts thank you Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. And thank you again to Rachel for being so transparent and sharing her experiences with us. We know that it's not always easy to talk about things that are so personal, but it's also important for us in the community to understand what 
raw emotion and feelings are so that we can try to grasp um, how people are feeling. Yeah, and help each other, right? I think it's just so important to make sure that we're listening to adoptees and their experiences and trying to build things better based on what we learn. Yeah, and Rachel shared that one of her biggest hesitancies in the beginning was not knowing what the relationship would look like with the adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we normalize more open adoptions and can be more open and talk about what we hope for, what we want, um, what we're willing to give and take in in relationships beforehand without any um, worry of people changing their minds, just being authentic and open um, from the very beginning, it will help that. Yeah, I think when we make sure that love is our guiding principle, that everything works out so much better, there's always a possibility that an expectant mom will change her mind and decide not to place her baby for adoption, or she might not choose you. And that's her choice, and we should support that. And I think when we have genuine love for this mother, that helps us to see things from her side that helps us want her to have that empowerment to make her own decisions so yeah yeah i think that's important i also think it's important as adoptive parents um rachel talked about how she always felt guilty wanting to know more as an adoptee about her birth family and she said she didn't feel like her adoptive parents made her feel guilty but she still felt guilty and i think that's something to be really aware of right like what can we do to help our adoptees feel more comfortable sharing what they're feeling, sharing what they're needing and not worry about us because adoption's not about adoptive parents. It's about adoptees, right? What can we do to help our kids and the adoptees in our lives feel comfort and validation in whatever they're feeling? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Thank you again to Rachel. We really, really appreciate you and for your willingness to connect with us and to other people in the adoption community. Like we mentioned in the episode, we'll tag her Instagram and feel free to reach out to her and connect with her. We'll be back in two weeks with an episode where we'll be sharing different experiences on building long distance adoption relationships and open adoption. So we'll have a little panel, hear from a couple different people on how they've done that in their lives. Thanks so much for listening.